Today on Abounding Grace, Pastor Joshua Taylor explains that the confidence we need in life and ministry comes from God's faithfulness. This is amazing grace. Hey, thanks for rounding off the week with us here at Abounding Grace. In a moment, we'll be hearing from Ed Taylor's son, Pastor Joshua Taylor. He capped off our Refresh Conference in a grand fashion, speaking on our confidence by God's faithfulness. And this year's focus was the faithfulness of God. Pastor Joshua believes that in order to take great steps of faith, we must have this confidence that only comes by remembering the great faithfulness of God. We'll start off in Jeremiah. If you would turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 36, we're going to read a few verses. This is a collection really of daily Bible reading. These are all devotionals that I have read throughout the year that the Lord kind of pieced together for you guys today. In Jeremiah chapter 36, I was reading through the book of Jeremiah, obviously, that's how I got to chapter 36. And I come to this passage, and I'm just so encouraged. First, I'm shocked, and then I'm encouraged. And I'm like, man, the Lord wants to do that in our lives. So pick up with me in verse 1, Jeremiah chapter 36. It says, now it came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, that his word came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, in verse two, take a scroll of a book and write on it all the words that I have spoken to you against Israel, against Judah, against all the nations from the day I spoke to you, from the days of Josiah even to this day. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the adversities which I purpose to bring upon them, that everyone may turn from his evil way, that I might forgive their iniquity and their sin. We're going to pause there real quick. Jeremiah, prophet of the Lord, has just been instructed by God to write down everything he's ever prophesied, every warning he's ever said to the people of Israel, the people of Judah, and those around him. Now, I don't know about you, and I have to say it's not across the board. I just know for me, and some of you may have amazing memory, but like I can't remember the second message I've ever taught, let alone everything. And Jeremiah's asked, like, hey, I need you to remember it all, and then write it all down in a scroll, and he needs you to collect it. So now, some scholars believe that he maybe had it on different pieces of paper, different scrolls or parchments, all that kind of stuff. But still, that's just, that to me is like, I couldn't do that. If, if God asked me, I couldn't do it unless there's a supernatural intervention for my memory. Now, there are some in this room that can do that, but I can't. And I'm not going to mention names, but Pastor Jim has amazing memory, and he could probably do this. So Pastor Jim, I'm sorry, but we're just going to exclude you out of this talk. doesn't apply yet. Jeremiah is given this word, and he's told to write it down on a scroll, and he's also told to, to share it, right? He's told to, to repeat it, everything that he said. So don't just write everything you've ever said, but I also want you to share it again, so that one day there, that maybe Judah will come back to a place of repentance. The thing about this is, as we're going to read in the next few verses, Jeremiah is not allowed on the temple grounds. He's been banned. He's been barred. Uh, the New King James says he's, been, he's confined. Uh, which if you translate it in the original languages, it's more of a, you are not allowed here anymore. And if you're Jeremiah, you're putting yourself in his shoes. The Lord wants you to remember everything you've ever said, say it again, and you're not allowed to go to the place where the most people are going to be able to hear it. That seems like an impossible task. Right away, I would be, Lord, I can't. 
Like that's just, it's facts, it's practical. I cannot do this. I'm not allowed there. That's not Jeremiah's answer. Pick up with me in verse four. It says, then Jeremiah called Baruch, the son of Neriah. And Baruch wrote on the scroll of the book at the instruction of Jeremiah, all the words which the Lord, or excuse me, all the words the Lord which he had spoken to him. And Jeremiah commanded Baruch saying, I am confined. I cannot go into the house of the Lord. You go therefore and read from the scroll which you have written at my instruction, the words of the Lord in the hearing of the people in the Lord's house on the day of fasting. And you shall also read them in the hearing of all Judah who come from their cities. It may be that they will present their supplication before the Lord and everyone will turn from his evil way. For great is the anger and the fury of the Lord that has been pronounced against his people. And Baruch, the son of Neriah, did according to all that Jeremiah the prophet had commanded him, reading from the book the words of the Lord in the Lord's house. Super encouraging. Instead of balking at this command or this calling from the Lord, Jeremiah just calls Baruch in. And here he comes as the scribe to write down everything that Jeremiah is going to remember. And not only that, he's actually going to read all of these prophetic judgments for Jeremiah in the temple. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, as pastors here, like, wouldn't that be awesome if the Lord gave you a command and then just raised up someone to do it all for you? Like, that would be amazing. And that's exactly what God is doing for Jeremiah. Now, there is a work for Jeremiah. Jeremiah did have to make sure, one, this is a call from God. I want to speak directly to pastors real quick. A lot of times we have these ideas that come from maybe a passion that we have or an idea that looks like it could be from the Lord, but it's not really from the Lord. So when we go out and we try to raise someone up to take over this idea or this passion, this good thing, it doesn't even necessarily have to be a bad thing, it fails miserably and we wonder why. Like, why? It's a good thing, but it wasn't from the Lord. What Jeremiah was doing here, it was from the Lord. And the Lord equipped him with the right people around him to accomplish the goal, to accomplish the task. God was faithful to lift up those he needed to accomplish this mission. And not just to accomplish it, but to go above and beyond what was needed. Jeremiah was called to go out and speak this word. And the Lord raised someone else up to be able to finish this. It's important to differentiate what are good things and what are godly things. Because there's a lot of frustration when we try to make good things work. There's a lot of frustration when we try to make good things happen. But they're not God things. They're not called of us by God. This was a calling from the Lord. Now, for those of you who are not pastors, and you're just wondering, like, how do I serve my pastor well? Man, it doesn't have to be something crazy like Baruch. You don't have to do everything. Oh, I'm going to teach next week for him. That's, how I'm That's not what I'm saying. Stop. What I'm saying is it's good to be scribes. And what I mean by that, it's good to be practical. It's good to be able just to come alongside and lift some of the burden off. Jeremiah could have written on his own scroll. Like, he could have done this. But I'm sure it was a big relief to have someone there to where he could just sit back and speak and have someone write it for him. And I'm sure of it, if you look hard enough, and maybe even not that hard, your pastor's just like, yes, please keep going, preach, preach. If you just look a little bit, I'm sure there are practical things that would bless your pastor and your leaders at your church if you would just take it on for them. Not for them, per se, but for Christ. And it will bless them. It's good to do the practical work. What I also like is that Baruch was able to go to the temple. Baruch was able to go to the temple. Why was he able to go to the temple? Because he was available, right? He was able to go because he was available. 
And oftentimes, as we serve and as we put our lives on the line for the Lord, we have to remember we need to make ourselves available. There's a lot of things competing for our attention today, as pastors and servants alike. There's a lot of things. I mean, there's plenty of things to watch. So many streaming services, I couldn't name them all. Uh, just 10 years ago, I, th- I was talking to someone, it was like 12 years ago, YouTube didn't even exist. Like, it was crazy. Like, YouTube didn't exist. And now we have that plus a thousand other things to fill our time. That's just watching stuff. Who knows about if you're athletic or maybe you're a wilderness person. I love to hunt for months. You know, then I come back from the wilderness. You know, whatever it might be that distracts you. And I love what Pastor Brady said last night. Like, hey, the last thing is distraction. There's plenty to distract us from giving more time to the Lord. It's not serving necessarily your pastor or your church. You're serving the Lord. And this is the route and the avenue that you get to do it. I love this because the Lord comes in and he reminds us, one, when he gives you a calling on your life, he's going to be the one to provide how it's going to get done. You have nothing to worry about. It goes back to Matthew chapter 6. For those of you who are here today, there's one more thing. This, that was more specific for pastors and servants and leaders. But just in general as believers, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. And this is one of the passages that we'll end on today. Matthew chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 1 and we'll read all the way to verse 21. It says, At the time, Herod the Tetrarch heard the report about Jesus and said to his servants, This is John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead, and therefore these powers are at work in him. For Herod had laid hold of John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife. Because John had said to him, It is not lawful for you to have her. And although he wanted to put him to death, he feared the multitude because they continued, or they counted him as a prophet in verse 5. But when Herod's birthday was celebrated, the daughter of Herodias danced before them and pleased Herod. Therefore, he promised with an oath, a foolish oath, to give her whatever she might ask. So she, having been prompted by her mother, said, give me John the Baptist's head here on a platter. And the king was sorry, nevertheless, because of the oaths and because of those uh, who sat with him, he commanded it to be given to her. So he sent and had John beheaded in prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. In verse 12, then his disciples came and took away the body and buried it, and went and told Jesus. This is a pretty grim scene. It's pretty dark. Uh, It's one of uh, the deaths of someone who was used instrumentally uh, in the ministry of Jesus. He baptized Jesus. He was the cousin of Jesus. I'm sure they grew up together. I'm sure they had a close relationship. We're given this deep description of the death of John. And we're told at the end of verse 12 that the disciples go and they tell Jesus and pick up with me in verse 13. When Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude and he was moved with compassion for them and he healed their sick. When it was evening, excuse me, his disciples came to him saying, this is a deserted place and the hour is already late. Send the multitudes away that they may go into the villages and buy themselves food. But Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. And they said to him, we have here only five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes to sit down on the grass And he took five loaves and two fish, looking up to heaven. He blessed and broke and gave the loaves to the disciples. And the disciples gave to the multitudes. So they all ate and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments that remained. Now those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. 
Now, typically when I share this passage, I really focus on the miracle, right? Of, man, he multiplies the food and he is doing this great work and so many people are blessed and his apostles are discipled and they know how to serve. And, and it's a great passage, don't get me wrong. I love it. I love teaching that. But there's something that stuck out in regards to God's faithfulness, starting in verse 12 and 13. It says, when Jesus heard it, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. But, and we love the buts, when the multitudes heard it, They followed him on foot from the cities. Oftentimes, as we serve the Lord and as we live our lives just as believers, uh, because we're called to serve, we're called according to his purpose, we're called to serve uh, as believers, not in your local church, just outside of that, just as believers, as people, we're called to serve. There will be things in your life that I'm sure will rock you, that will shock you, that will break you, that will make you want to be isolated. And what I love about this is Jesus not only goes to a place by himself, which we know when he withdrew, he was withdrawing with the Father. He was going to be encouraged. He was going to be built up. He was going to be refreshed. He was going to be refocused. He was going to be refueled, reminded when he spent time with his Father. But the people followed him. I think some of you and some of us, I know I have, can feel like, man, I just want some time alone. Like, I just want some time with the Lord. Like, I got a lot going on in my life, and it's hard enough. Like, can I just have this time? What I'm here to remind you is, that's great. That's a great hope. But the people follow you. And the reason that people follow you is because they need what you have. They need to know that when I am facing hard times, it's better to be with the Lord than it is to be with the crowd following someone who has the Lord. And instead of seeing that and being like, man, why, why do these people just want me? They don't want you. They want what you have. And this is relationship with Jesus. When things hit you hard, it's so often and so easy for us to just, I just want to be alone. And I just want to deal with this. But we have to remember God has called us to something higher and greater. And I'm not talking about the servant. I'm not talking about the pastor. I'm just talking about the believer. Oftentimes our lives spiritually are not at a place where we even go to the Lord at first glance or at first shock. Sometimes we try to fill it in with entertainment, with distraction. I think Brady just hit it on the head last night when he mentioned that as the last thing. There's so many things I'd rather do to deal with my hurt, to deal with my grief, to deal with my mourning, to deal with whatever it is that is hitting my life because we still live in a broken world. And although we're saved and we're promised, we still are affected by the world around us and our flesh on top of that. But there's so many things I would rather do at times than go and spend time alone with the Lord. For us, Jesus gives us an example when we're hit with something like this. Again, the loss of his cousin, the loss of the one who baptized him. He's hearing this from the disciples. He shows us the example of getting away by himself. He withdrew, but... The crowd followed. And I just want to remind you that people are still in need of you, despite what you may be going through right now. People need you. They need you to show up as a believer to point them back to Christ. And the only way we can do that successfully, because in our flesh, we just can't. We're going to fail. I'm sorry, we're just going to fail. I fail all the time. I really wish I had that confidence of that rabbit. Because when I go and and I'm with the Lord, and I'm alone with him, I withdraw with him, I I spend time with him, I come back down, and I have this attitude that Jesus has. Pick up with me again in verse 14. He has this attitude. Jesus went out, and he saw a multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. 
When I go watch whatever I'm going to go watch and entertain myself when I'm feeling bad, when I come out of that show, I'm not moved with compassion to serve people. I want to see the next episode. Like, that's what I want. But when I go back and I spend time with the Lord and I allow him to refresh my soul, I praise him. I remember how great his faithful love has endured in my life. When I'm hit with something new, something fresh, something overwhelming, I come out ready to share that again with the people. I recognize needs in my circle. I recognize uh, difficulties that, that have nothing to do with me, except that I'm there in the moment. I'm there in their circle to point them back to Christ. But that only happens if we withdraw with the Lord. We can't withdraw just by ourselves and filling up our time to distract us from what we're feeling. It is a fight. It is a battle. It's a choice. For many of us, like Jesus, we have to withdraw to spend time with the Lord so that when we come out, we can see the people, we can see the needs, and we can have compassion on them, and we can be used by God to heal the brokenness in their lives. You don't have that healing power. The Lord in you does. And he desires to use us as we head out to share the faithfulness he has shown us in our lives. And if you're at a place right now, you're like, I just can't remember the Lord being faithful in my life ever then look at someone around you and allow them to speak life into you, reminding you of how God was faithful in their life. You may be that person that needs to speak life into somebody else today before you leave. I love this conference because we gather from so many areas of the nation. We have some people from international that are with us this year, a variety of churches, a variety of voices. And Lord hasn't just gathered us just to hang out with our own circle. He's gathered us so that we might fellowship and hear what he's been doing across the nation much less our own local church? What has he been doing in our lives that we might share it, that we might have the right perspective so that we might see the needs among us to be able to share the faithfulness that God has given us? And I promise you, as you remember that faithfulness, as you receive it, because we can reject it, we can ignore it, we can choose distraction, as you receive it, you will gain the confidence for the next step of faith that God is calling you to. And for many of you, that next step of faith will be joining your local church and serving. Uh, for many of you pastors, it's another great step of faith for your church as a whole. And that hesitancy goes away when you sit back and you remember the faithfulness of God and how faithful he's going to be in this next step. But we have to be obedient like Jeremiah. We have to take the step. We have to be like Jesus and withdraw ourselves for a time so that the Lord might speak to us and refill us and refocus us. That confidence comes when we remember the faithfulness of the Lord. One more time, if you would, turn with me to Psalm 136 as we close. Psalm 136. We're going to go all the way down to verse 26. Verse 26. This is again the New Living Translation. It says, give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. Can we give God just a, just a thank you? Today, before we close, we're going to be worshiping. We have an extended time of worship. And I just ask that you would give the Lord an extended thanks before you head out today. That you would take advantage of the time of sitting before the Lord and thanking him. Why? And it says it out there. Why do we want to do that? Because faithful love endures forever. One more time. That was pretty lame. One more time. Why? We give thanks to God of heaven because faithful love endures forever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. We thank you that you are faithful to speak into our lives. We are thankful that you are faithful to be in our lives. 
Lord, I pray that you would redirect our eyes to you in times of trouble, that you would redirect our eyes to you when we are overwhelmed with the situation that we're faced with, that you redirect our eyes to you when we lack confidence to take that step of faith that you are putting before us. When we see that open door, Lord, we're hesitant. I pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see your faithfulness, that you would remind us of who you are in our lives, that you would remind us through the lives of others, that you would remind us through times in your word. You were faithful then, you're faithful now, and you will forever be faithful to us again. We thank you, Lord, for your word. We ask that you bless this time as we head out. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Joshua Taylor on Abounding Grace and the final segment in our four-part series from the Refresh Conference. The theme this year, as you might have guessed, was the faithfulness of God. And we hope and pray that you were left refreshed, encouraged, and were able to refocus as needed. I'll remind you one more time, all four studies are housed at the Calvary Church app, or you can listen at AboundingGraceRadio.com. And we hope you'll also make plans to join us next year when we'll have another Refresh Conference at Calvary Church in Aurora. Be looking for updates on our website as that draws closer. And if you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. We'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com by clicking on Contact. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of Suffering is Never for Nothing by Elizabeth Elliot. Maybe you never realized this before, but there is a link between suffering and love. God's love for us is evidenced in the sending of Jesus to carry our sins on the cross. He faced the ultimate pain of suffering, but through it all, won the victory on our behalf. This truth has led Elizabeth to say, whatever is in the cup that God is offering me, whether it be pain and sorrow and suffering and grief, along with the many more joys, I'm willing to take it because I trust him, because suffering is never for nothing. Request a copy today by calling 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order it through our e-store at calvaryco.store. You know, your generosity helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Making a donation to the ministry is easier than ever through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, we begin a study of First Peter. Next time, can you give our listeners a sneak peek? What a relevant book of the Bible to study in the days in which we live, Larry. We wanted to put this on. I'm still teaching Second Peter uh, on our Wednesday night, so I, we wanted to get First Peter on the air and Vaughn and Grace as soon as possible. So this is really fresh Bible studies right from the sanctuary here at Calvary Church. And the reason I wanted to air on the radio is because it is a book of the Bible written by Peter, follower of Christ, failed greatly, restored back into ministry. So we're going to learn about the grace of God in Peter's life, because if God can do that gracious work in Peter's life, he can do it in yours. And then we're going to go into the meat of the letter, both of his letters, First and Second Peter, and we're going to learn how to respond when the pressure is on, especially from the government, especially from uh, powers and authorities above us and around us over which we have no control. And, and I know, I know, I know, I know in the heightened 
time that we're living in and the time where, man, so many voices, many of you listening in are going to be shocked and surprised. I mean, you don't have to be. You can read ahead in First and Second Peter, but you're going to be shocked and surprised at the counsel that Peter gives for those of you that are facing outrageous, outrageously challenging situations, especially from the government, from employers, from within the home. Man, it is. it has been so good for us here. It's going to be so good for you there. And collectively, we're going to grow in the grace of God. And by the way, let me just say thank you, thank you to everyone that supports Grace FM. I was looking just recently at the support last month, the most we've ever received in recent history for Abounding Grace. So thank you. Thank you. It is not a large amount that we get as support, but what we do get goes right back into ministry, right back into production, adding stations, adding more digital platforms. Thank you guys for supporting us. And please keep doing it. AboundingGraceRadio.com or Bounding Grace Radio. Make sure you got both G's. AboundingGraceRadio.com. Bless you guys. That all starts Monday on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Have a great weekend. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You lay down your life. That I would be set free. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.